Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. The mandate that I have this morning comes from the book of Proverbs, the 30th chapter. Solomon is speaking a lot of things and um, that I feel are our mandate for me to share with us to this morning, uh, specifically in the 21st verse. He says, Under three things the earth is disquieted, for four things the Bible says it cannot bear. Under three things the earth is disquieted, Number four, it cannot bear. Verses 22, under a servant, when he reigns, an empty-headed fool, I'm reading the Amplified Version, when he is filled with food, an unloved and repugnant woman when she is married, and a maid servant when she supplants her mistress. If we read that from New King James Version, uh, the verses uh, 22, he says, a servant when he reigns, a fool when he is filled with food, a hateful woman. I want you to underline that, I'll get that later. A hateful woman when she is married and a maid servant who succeeds her mistress. The Bible says the earth is disquieted. The earth is shaken. The earth is shaken. Now, I have shared this before. And for those of you who are just hearing us recently, you might not have caught up yet. Or for some who had it then might have not received the full revelation of it. But I have expressed this times without number that it's so undeniable how we are connected to the earth. The Bible says, and God went into the ground and from there he formed man. Genesis 2.7 So, we are from the dust. We are connected. The physical self is connected to the dust. You see? And the earth in its form has a life of its own. The earth is not just some living experience without an intellect. The earth has an intellect because the earth is spiritual. Earth communicates and is communicated to. The earth has a certain understanding. There are laws that govern us. And the laws that govern the earth determine how earth relates with us. And other things as well. The earth is so controlled by things that are spiritual. So the earth is a living experience. It's a living realm. Let me use that. 
the earth is a living realm, but also the earth has an intellect. The earth has a certain understanding. It's amazing to think, because when you look at the ground, you might think, but it's just that little living thing where you can plant something and then things come up. Oh yes, we all agree that earth has life. Otherwise, how then would plants come and sprout out of the ground? You know, how would water be able to sustain the fishes? There's life in the earth. But to know that the earth has a mind as well. And that mind is instructed by spiritual phenomena. When Cain killed Abel, and God comes to him, where is your brother? Where is your brother? He says, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where my brother is, he says. And then God grills him that, you know, you have killed your brother. And he says, when you till the ground from today, when you till the ground from today, he said, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. And because of that, you shall become a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. Because the earth is not going to yield its fruit to you. Why? Because it opened its mouth and swallowed the blood of your innocent brother. Can you believe that? So it was not what God pronounced on Cain. No, it was the consequence of what that blood communicated to the earth when it sensed that it drank blood of an innocent man. That's powerful. That's very powerful. So when the earth sensed or understood that the blood that has been shed is innocent, it shut up its provisions to that man. And so God told the man, when you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield forth its substance or has strength to thee. And because of that, you shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. Because it has opened its mouth to swallow blood that is innocent. So we deal in the earth, we live on the earth, but many of us don't understand that the earth has an intellect and it is connected to some spiritual instructions. The earth can favor you. The earth can turn against you. In fact, in the next verse 13, when Cain is talking back to God, he says that punishment is so big for me, it is greater than I can bear. And he says, he that findeth me shall kill me. Why? Because when the earth rejects you, even a stray arrow can kill you. Even that which is meant to be food can kill you. Even a wild animal can come from somewhere and just maul you. Because the earth has rejected the man. And I want us to understand this very clearly. So, when we see the emphasis on God telling Cain, oh, oh, don't worry, whoever kills you, I will avenge your life seven times. He's saying he has warned anything that should touch Cain. But in the normal circumstances, there should have been some that could have killed Cain if God had not put his hand to protect him. So don't forget that. There are people who walk this earth every day and they do not know whether the earth favors them or it doesn't. They're pointing fingers on their uh, 
wives, they're pointing fingers on their husbands. I'm not successful because of this woman. I'm not successful because of this man. I'm not successful because of my uncle. I'm not successful because there's this person that I work with at the bank and is a frustrating fellow. I'm not successful because of my family. I come from this and that. I'm not successful because of this. I'm not successful because I'm not this. And you have all these kinds of reasons as to why you are not a success in this life. But what if, what if these people are all working under a certain power that began and is outside their influence and control. So if the earth has turned vengeance to you, how do you think the things in the earth will relate with you? Do you think people just sink in floods? You think somebody just sits on a boat and, you know, a flood comes and kills them? You think people just die in earthquakes? They just die? No. There are people that cannot die in an earthquake. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because they have no cause against the earth and the earth has no cause against them. But biblically we have seen that it is possible for the earth to have an issue with a man and refuse to yield forth its fruit. There's a farmer who planted their plants and did their four months or so and that season, they did not yield anything. And they're blaming it on everything. But there's a reason why they're planting and it's not bringing forth. It's not bringing forth. Something is speaking. One time I flew in the US somewhere where William Seymour did the Azusa Street revival from the Azusa Street mission present day. And a Hinduist gave it to Christians when it was already sold. And uh, it was a very beautiful area, green place. And so there was an old tree, grapefruit, that had remained. And they say this was the oldest living thing from the Azusa Street Revival. And the man there, Fred Berry, he says that they have tried to graft that tree. They've tried to cut off, you know, uh, plants and, and put it on others and try to replant it but it failed to grow. Wherever they would cut a branch to put it in the ground, it failed to grow. Every other tree around that area is green and strong. But the tree, that grape tree that they found has failed to produce seed. God is saying something. But that's for the mature to understand. That's for the mature to understand. It's deeply spiritual. It's deeply spiritual. So, now we come here and say, no, besides the death of Abel and the blood taken and how the earth now turns its course to a man, it was not the last time we've seen the earth turn its course against men. And here he has said in Proverbs that the earth is disturbed. The earth is disquieted. The earth is frustrated of three or four things. It has said that when a servant reigns, when a servant becomes Lord, when a fool is filled with food, when a woman full of hatred, a repugnant woman is married, the earth is disturbed. And when a maid servant succeeds her mistress, when that house girl who came to work in your house takes over your husband, the earth is disquieted, it is disturbed. It is stirred. Now, 
Let's talk about the mistress who came into that house and took over a man's husband. Does she know what she did to herself? Would it shock you that the earth would turn against her? Would it shock you that the earth would turn against a fool who is fool? Do you know what the meaning of a fool being fool? A fool? It means when a fool is made rich. When a fool is made rich. When somebody foolish is made rich. That's a fool. Full of food or meat. That's wealth. When wealth comes to a foolish man. That's what he's saying. So the earth is disquieted when wealth comes to a foolish man. The earth is disquieted when a maid takes over her mistress's husband. The earth is disquieted when a servant reigns, when a servant is put in a place where they're not supposed to be. So that's why I said again, would it surprise you what the earth would do to the servant who was appointed either in ignorance or deliberately by some sort of bias is appointed to a place of position. You know what the earth would do? You know what the earth would do to the fool who becomes wealthy? You know what the earth would do to a hateful woman who is married? What it would do to her marriage? What it would do to her finances? What it would do to her body? You know what the earth would do to the maidservant who succeeds her mistress? If the earth turned against Cain, it can turn against a man. Why? Because it is subject to the laws of God in its making. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, you go through this and say, what do all of these have in common? What do all of these four people, four kinds of people have in common? Because all of them have some in common. And this is the one thing. They were not prepared for the positions that they have received at that point. They are not reconciled to the things that must come with those elevations in life. God is saying, it's not that I don't want you to reign, but it is dangerous for you to stand in the place of a king when you have a servant's mindset. That does not only disturb God, it disturbs the earth. That's why in some versions, it says when a servant becomes king. Yeah? When a servant becomes king. I think it's KJV. When a servant becomes king. Because you cannot run a kingdom with a servant mentality, a slave mentality. So they were not prepared for the positions that they have been given. By how they got there, many ways can get a man there. And not all are of God. They can come through different ways or through different conduits. Different and indifferent principles. Things that are contrary to the way of God. So not all appointments in the world are appointed by God's intention or heart. But he can observe and permissively let it because either he wants to teach us something. Saul was not God's choice. Saul was appointed king, but he was not God's choice. Some people say, oh, but why did 
soul fail? The mindset, the mentality. You understand? He had a very poor mind. I come from the poorest tribe, poorest family. You remember so? Who am I? Which comes from the poorest family? From the poorest tribe? How can I reign? How can I be king? Of course, he could not manage. He could not manage. So, he gets into a kingdom and he cannot rule it because the mentality is of a servant. Same thing as a fool becoming wealthy. It's dangerous when a man who does not have wisdom is rich because he or she can destroy many. So God is saying that if wealth is to come to you, firstly, he wants to give you a certain wisdom because without that wisdom, things will turn against you. You've had people in the world singing, more money, more problems. Yeah, these were fools who got wealth. These were fools who were full with food. Somebody shout, Amen. A hateful woman when she's married. In normal circumstances, there are things that a woman is supposed to become or be prepared into before she becomes a wife. There's a difference between a woman and a wife. Men don't find women to marry. Men find wives to marry. The Bible says, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and he obtains favor before God. But he says, He who findeth a wife, not a woman. Not all women are wives. And then they go and pray mountains and start praying, breaking generational curses because they notice their sisters are not married also. Perhaps you all have the same demon. And perhaps this is the issue. It's not that there's something that refuses you to get married. This is the spirit. I'm just giving you an example. And so, oh, apostle, I've gone to this, I've gone to that. And then you think you're going to go to a man of God because he's a prophet and he's going to prophesy your marriage. It's going to come in June on the 22nd this year. And then she screams, falls under the power for some it does not come. And they say, oh, this prophet is fake. If you know, you understand. Or some prophets are also fake. Yeah, that's true. Or, you know, it comes like the prophet has spoken. You see what I'm saying? And she enters marriage, and from that day, her marriage becomes a disaster. She struggles through marriage to a point where even those who are not married would admire to be where they are than to enter the marriage she's into. God says that there are things that are necessary in preparing the woman to become the wife. And this is one of those things. He says a repugnant woman should not be married, but if she finds her way into marriage, the earth is disquieted. The earth will turn against her. Circumstances will turn against her. That is why some women come with things in marriages. There are women, when they get married, this man will become a success. And there are women, once they get married, they bury some men as well. Why? Because they were not prepared. That doesn't mean that there are no principles that prepare husbands. We also have them. Hello? Yeah, we also have them. We also have them. But all of these people have the same thing. That they were not ready to function in that which they have entered. You know, I dealt with a woman once. And for a moment I said, 
I had never found somebody as hateful as that woman. She's always angry. She's always angry. She's always living in unforgiveness. She's bitter. She hates everybody. She's born again, but she can't even greet Christians. When she's annoyed, you know, you greet her and she looks away. She's so angry. One time I said, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? Why are you full of hate? You see, some people are so angry. And that same woman is before God. Husband, Lord. Husband. Jesus. Husband. Let him come, God. From wherever he comes from. If he comes, that's not the last you will have of your troubles. That's not the last you will have of your troubles. You're angry. You're angry. You see? So, to become a wife, my daughter's here watching and those that are watching across, you must learn not to be so easily angered. Learn it. Learn it. This is scripture. But if that's him, don't be so quick to anger. The Bible says she shall do her husband good all the days of her life or his life. How are you to do him good all the days? How are you to do him good all the days? How? Does that mean it's going to be perfect? He ain't. Ah, but that's not fair. Then don't get married. Become a nun. Yeah, be like Mother Teresa. You'll be fine. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you're going to get into marriage, these are the things you must learn. The earth is disquieted. And fourth, how do you enter as a servant or maid servant in a man's house and this man makes a move on you and then you take over? How do you succeed the woman of the house. How do you do that? You see, do you remember the story of Sarah and Hagar? You see, it was Sarah's decision. It was Sarah's decision to tell Abraham, go into my mate, if you all remember, isn't it? It was Sarah's decision. So Abraham, being a submitted man to his wife, <laughs> pun intended, went into Hagar and they had a child called who? Ishmael. And the story is given that one time when Hagar sees that she has a child and Sarah has no child, she starts to scorn at her mistress. Let me tell you, if Hagar had stayed submitted and obedient to Sarah, there would have been no need of Sarah telling Abraham to get rid of Hagar and her son because Hagar was loved by Sarah. You see, this was her maid. She loved her. But the mistake was that this was a slave bearing a child for a man with a seed of greatness. And she doesn't know how to carry that because it's not in her. She's an enslaved child. In fact, if you study ancient texts, Hagar was an Egyptian woman. She was given as a gift to Abraham and Sarah to go with them from the Pharaoh. You see? 
Even the scriptures are clear on that. So, this Egyptian mind, it does not have the understanding of a Jew and the greatness and call of God on Abraham. Oh, if she had understood what was on Abraham, she would have respected Sarah. Because it's us in 2021 who understand that Sarah is the mother of all of us. That was our mother. Sarah was our mother. She was our mother. And the irony of God that the barren woman was the mother of generations that were to come. Because some of you look at what is not working in your life and you don't know that one day God can open that womb of business or whatever. God can open it and it would have an influence of thousands and thousands of years until Christ is back. Do not take somebody for granted because a womb is shut. Does not necessarily mean physical womb. Wombs are many. It could be business wombs. It could be career wombs. It could be all of these kinds of things. Somebody can take 20 years without unemployment and get a job that will employ thousands of generations to come. So don't underestimate a person. It doesn't matter how fallen they are or how lost they are or how lacking they are if they still have a covenant. If they still have a covenant. So, Sarah and Hagar, they clash. Eh? And then, Sarah cuts the wire and says, get out. You see? And then we see Hagar running as well. She's angry. She's frustrated. Eh? She thinks that if she goes, they'll follow her because she carries the air. <laughs> and an angel comes to her. And tells her, go back and submit yourself to your mistress. Go back. This is not the time for you to leave. But it seems Hagar never learned her lesson. He said, return to thy mistress and submit yourself under her hands. Why is the angel telling her? He's telling her, look, you might think that because you carry an heir in courts, you are where you're supposed to be. You know, some of you, you, you can be helped by somebody's hand. We've lifted many. We've lifted many. And somebody can think that they're raised enough to do certain things against those who raised them. See, the earth is disquieted with you. Because if you can harm somebody who was once good to you, or who raised you when you were not able, then it means that you have been elevated in a place you were not ready for. I have never spoken a name of a man or his ministry if they had me, if they did anything good in my past on this altar. I don't. It's not on record anywhere. I don't discuss them. You know why? Because I know what can happen. You see what I'm saying? So, let's go back to what I'm trying to tell us. They were not ready to enter the positions that they have. Maybe you are struggling in your marriage because you were not ready. Both for men or women. Maybe you were struggling in your career because you were not ready. Maybe you were struggling... <laughs> 
in your wealth because you are not ready. Maybe you are struggling in your reign because you are not ready. I read something one day of how kings are prepared. You know, the monarchs of England, what they go through in preparation that because one day you're going to become king, it's many years, could take 80 years, could take 60 years, could take 70 years, doesn't matter when. But if they see that one day you're going to sit on that throne, there's a training that you're going to undergo. Read about Charles and the rest of them, what they have been trained through because they need to make sure that one day if this person is to sit on the throne of England, they should know something better. Oh, but you read in Revelations that we have been made kings and priests to the most high God. You read in Romans that how much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall reign in life, in this life by that one Jesus Christ. And you have obtained the place of kings. You are kings. The queens of the Most High God, your royalty. Paul calls love the royal law. You see, so your royalty. But are you ready to sit on that throne? Are you ready? Oh, Father, anoint me. Anoint me. I want to be used by you. I want to stand in certain places. But are you really ready? Have you been proved? Do you know what it takes? Do you know that there are people who are just $20,000 or $30,000 away from their death? $30,000 is enough to kill them. If you get $30,000, you know, it's about 90-something million into 100. Yeah? He will do this and do that and then party and then forget his wife and then say, hmm. There's like another late girl I see. And then, you know, one thing leads to another. And then you see this man destroyed one day. Why? Because he got $30,000. If he had stayed the poor guy in the village, he would have been a faithful husband. Jesus. You see? But that same guy saying, make me rich. <laughs> Jesus, I receive wealth. I receive wealth. You're sure? You're sure? You're sure? You know how many ministers are dreaming to serve God a certain way, big, praying, and fasting in prayer mountains, but they're asking for the anointing. They're asking for the influence that makes these things possible. They're asking for the glory. They're asking for all of those things. They're praying, and they're right to pray for whoever they are. But how many of them are saying, actually, if this thing came, would I be ready for it? Would I be ready for it? Are you hearing me? Would I be ready for it? The things you ask God for, would you be ready for them? Are you sure you'd actually be ready for them? Because you see, some people don't see the power of preparation. They don't understand why it's important. See, I rather a man who has not yet seen the wealth that they have believed God for, but they are in the process of preparation. They're like that egg that is not yet broken, but it's under the right temperature. It's hatching. Someday it's hatching. You see? They're like a, a mother hen sitting on her eggs. You don't see anything outside that egg. You don't see anything. But the right temperature being there 
is enough for us to say, one day it will break out. It will break out. It will break out. If that egg is broken from without, it's dangerous to break that egg that is not yet broken from within to break without. Who understands what I'm saying? Yeah, it's dangerous. Could damage the life in there. So it has to be kept intact. And if you press it, it's hard to break it with your own hands. To just get an egg and press it with your own hands, it's hard. It's not as easy thing. But you can imagine that this frail thing, at its point of maturation, it just kicks out once, and the thing just breaks like it was nothing. Because it grew from within. Are you hearing me? But you see, the process in there, while it's still hidden in that world, it needs eyes for the world it's going into. So it's given the right atmosphere for the eyes to see. It needs ears. It's given the right atmosphere for the ears to hear. It needs feet. It needs claws to scratch the ground. So it's given the right atmosphere to grow those claws. It needs wings to fly sometimes if it's a bird. And it needs the right wings. So in there, this is the creation. So some of you say, oh, but I've not seen. It's okay if you have not seen, but you are still under incubation. Because you could be like the one who got married, but she's still helpful. Like the one who became king, but they still had the servant mentality. Like the one who became rich, but they were foolish. That's more dangerous. Do you know you'd rather wait on God and enter the right marriage than entering the wrong one? Do you know you'd rather wait on God and have wealth the right way than getting wealthy the wrong way and be destroyed? In every aspect of life, the readiness, the preparation of the spirit is so important. So important. Somebody wants a child, yes. But God has said, wait darling, it's nine months. Oh no, 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 but I want that child to come out now. Yes. Do you know what would happen if that child came out at five months? Do you know what can happen if that child came out at three months? But you see, many believers don't even know that certain things are rushed. They are rushed. Some of you just rush. You're rushing. You're put on a pressure because you're comparing yourself with another person. And maybe they are a chicken and you are an eagle and you don't know. But you think that because you both have wings and you have claws and beaks, you think that you're all just naturally birds. But there was a difference. There was a difference. Not all cats are the same. Some can be kept in your home. Some you can't even come next to because they rule jungles. But they're all cats. They're cat family. You understand what I'm saying? So don't stake your destiny based on another man or woman's performance. Don't fill your leg because somebody went before you. That's not how it works. There are people who entered marriage before us. There are people who entered ministry before us. There are people who entered businesses and jobs before us. But lo and behold, when we look back, we're like, hmm, God knew what he was doing. Somebody shout hallelujah. There's no point of rushing. I've realized that in the things of the spirit, the slower you are, the faster you become. Be slow to make certain decisions. Don't rush God. Don't rush God. Because he's always on time. 
if you are out of time, also, there's a sermon for you. There are also people who are out of time. You understand what I'm saying? When a child goes beyond nine months, there's a sermon for that as well. But that's not what I came to preach today. Today I came to preach to people who want babies to be born at two months. So the right timing of God is important. Because in the process of waiting, Jesus was 100% God. 100%, 100%, 100%. Born of God. And you thought that the moment he came out of his mother's womb, he was going to start doing miracles, signs and wonders. And the Lord said, uh-uh. There's certain things that need to grow in you, boy. I know that you are the king. <laughs> the things that have to grow in you. And the Bible says, and the child grew in wisdom. He walked strong in the spirit. He walked strong. He grew strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. Because God says, no, there is a certain stature that I need on you by the time I use you. There's a certain wisdom that is necessary. Even though you're 100% God, but your flesh is still infant. Your mind needs to go through the process of becoming a man. You are not going to run a ministry when you're 12. It's not possible. Some people think that because your child is gifted, that means that they can be thrust into deeper places of responsibility. That's not how it happens. Certain experiences are important. God says, Sick, if you get to the age of 30, at least that's enough for the mind to think right and enough. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So Jesus grows up. But you see, from the time he's staying in the temple, he's arguing with the Pharisees, he's doing all these kinds of things. We hear him. That's all he can do. He can argue. And the guy knows his father. So he's about his father's business, but he has not yet started his ministry. And from that age 12, about 18 years of his life, we don't know what happens. 18 years. 18 years. The son of God, 100% son of God, deliverer of the earth, is in absolute silence. He's missing in action. He's somewhere. We don't know what is happening. The age 30, God says, now it's the time for you to begin. And that man has changed the world because he allowed the process. He appreciated the preparation. You see what I'm saying? You can't do it faster than the laws and principles God has set. It's not possible. Read church history. No man has done it faster and succeeded. It's not there. I've read church history. No man has done it faster and succeeded. There's a process. I'm not saying that you cannot serve God early. I'm only saying that there are certain places God will not put you into as you're still growing in your mind. No matter how gifted you are. You think you understand, but you're not. If we are still fighting people who are 50, 60, and some of them have failed to understand. You see what I'm saying? So from a certain age, in fact, in humanity, when you study human beings, from a certain age, the mind is fully developed. And it doesn't matter whether they are 100 or 40. Chances are, if he didn't get it at 40, he might not get it at 50. Chances are. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. So all of these three people have one thing in common. We are not prepared. But God has showed us that it's possible to get into places 
for which you were not ready for. Moses was not ready to save the Israelites from Egypt. He wasn't. For 40 years, God never spoke to him. Why? He was angry. You recall? God appears to him. Who are you? He's asking, who are you? He didn't even know the God. What signs shall I show them? He didn't even know the signs. And so he has to enter Egypt. He's the kind of example of a man who was not ready, yet God needed to save the world. Why? Because years ago, he killed a man and buried him in the sand instead of seeking God's mind on how to redeem Israel from the hand of Egypt. Simple. And so he carries his anger. It's there. Separating waters, but it's there. The light is shining on its face, but it's there. It's doing miracles in the wilderness. It's feeding and doing the impossible by the hand of the Almighty that that thing has not left. And at the point when he has to cross, they annoy him. And sometimes anger and familiarity have something in common. Do you recall that the Bible says, the Bible says he lifted up his rod and smit the rock. God told him, do what? Talk to the rock. Do you realize God didn't tell him, talk to a rock. He told him, talk to the rock. That means there was a specific rock. And if you study scripture, it was the same rock that once he what? He struck. So he got stuck in that which worked at first. And he became so familiar that he lost the instruction on the second time. And sometimes God can tell you to do two different things to one thing. But you might stick to what was working because you think he's in the method. <laughs> he's not in the method. He's in the principle. He's in the word, this message. Some of you think that because God walked through you when you did this one day on the altar, you think that every time you do that on the altar is the way he will work. And sometimes by phronesis, that wisdom that determines the mode of action, he can inspire you through his Holy Spirit to do it differently. And then you say, uh-uh, me, I want it the other way because it worked the other way and it, you know, it looked cool the other way. Sometimes familiarity breeds a lot of things and the anger which was in there came out. God told him, you know, you're not going to enter. Your assignment has ended here. Evidently, I've tried to get you ready, but you were not ready. And now he appoints a man who was not even in the plan of the assignment because the assignment must continue. So to be ready is a very important thing. To be prepared is a very important thing. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verses 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed. If you read the New American Standard Bible, it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. We understand that the worlds were prepared by the word. That means the word is a preparer. The word of God is a preparer. As you're sitting in class, in church to learn, you are getting to a place of preparation. This is beyond the gifts. Some of you think that because you're seated under a man who can prophesy, it's enough for you to define a destiny. You're mistaken and confused. That's not how it works. The word is a preparer. You need to put the word there as well. It's not enough that the man can do miracles and he can heal the sick. 
No, you need the preparation by the instruction of the Holy Spirit. That is why when he defines how we preach the gospel, he says, preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season. There has to be a preparation. You have to be prepared. You have to be prepared before to preach the gospel. When you say that this person is qualified to preach the gospel, they should be able to preach instantly in any season. You ask the people that I appoint to preach here on this altar. I don't tell them weeks. No. I call you at midnight and I tell you you're preaching tomorrow morning. You sort yourself. For some, I even call them in the morning. Hi, good morning. You're good? Yes. What's the time now? It's 9 a.m. I'm supposed to be preaching somewhere at midday. Go now. Why? Because it's supposed to be instant. Ah, but I'm not prepared. You see, you see, you've told me I need to first prepare myself. I've not prayed. I've not fasted. <laughs> then you're not supposed to be on this altar. Because we are constantly prepared. I'm ready for next year. I'm ready for 2025. I'm ready for 2030. I'm already ready. Just give me the microphone and see. If you've had me all these years, you realize you have learned something new every day. Because I'm always ready. I'm never behind schedule. I'm always ahead of schedule. I have more to say than you're able to take. Be instant. That's the attitude. That's why I do that. Because I have to be ready. Oh, you know, I was not prepared. Yeah, if they are calling you for a wedding. But when it comes to the gospel, darling, Zimaya, come and worship. Ah, you guys, you see, you've called me. You know, for me to worship, I need some months to first separate myself from the mountain. Said that I come. Oh, you're in the wrong calling. You're in the wrong calling. If you are in the gospel, eh, the feet are showed with the preparation of the preaching of the gospel of peace. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. In Proverbs 24, verses 27, it says, put first things first. Tell your neighbor, put first things first. Yeah. It says, prepare your work outside. Get it ready for yourself in the field. And afterward, build your house and establish a home. I've made that statement once, but I promised that I was going to build a bit on it. That's the point. So you see a fellow whose work is not prepared outside and he's going to get married. It's like, brother, how? How are you going to do it? Me, God has told me. How did he tell you? How did he tell you? What comes first? You have to get your work right outside. Get a source of income. Find something to do. Then marry. Raise children. With a source of income. This guy says, I'm only your faith, Apostle. I'm only your faith. I believe God. I believe God. Two months down the road, the girl comes. <laughs> Apostle Gina, I'm the one who pays the rent. Gina, I'm the one who pays everything. But you see, sometimes you can't stop them. Sometimes we can't. Because you can see a guy who's made up. Eh? He can ram through you. So you say, Apostle, preserve thine self. And we can support them even. We can support them even. We can support them even. Because at least they're not being worse. They're not sleeping around before marriage. The body is burning. We try to redeem it. <laughs> If you can't cast it out, 
you provide for it in truth and get the guy married. But we also have the challenge. So most of them, I tell them, what plans do you have for your house? Have you built? Okay, maybe you have not yet built, but do you have a source of income? And some of them, the guy tells you, yeah, I do some stuff. And you're like, what stuff? Some stuff. What stuff? I don't, you know, I do some deals. What deals? It's complicated. What's complicated? I'm just asking about the deals. Apostle, just know it's working. What? Are you a thief? What are you? What's working that you can't explain? Put first things first. Tell your neighbor, put first things first. So, God wants you to appreciate the process. He wants you to know that there is always a process. Whether you work that quicker, it's called wisdom. Wisdom helps you redeem time by responding to processes quicker than others. By applying yourself to the process quicker. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16 verses 10, the Amplified Version, it says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is also in much and he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust in much. God does not need to give you a million dollars to see whether you'll be faithful with it. He will give you $10,000, 10,000 shillings, Ugandan shillings, or a dollar to see whether on that dollar you'll get that tenth to give it. But some people think that you'll first get a million dollars to be the giver. Cannot happen. It's not possible. It's not possible. You're not going to change because you are given big. Now you take me there. God, you'll deal with me. See, that's why I said Moses' journey is the kind of journey of a man who is thrown into ministry before his readiness and he starts to learn on the journey. And some people think that it's just the right way. No, these things are written for, for our learning. That through what? Patience. 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 You see? Through patience. Through patience. Why do we need patience? Because there's a process and comfort of scriptures, we might have hope. So my point here is that sometimes the things that are not yet happening in your life, some of you, it's not because they cannot happen, but it's because maybe you're not prepared, you're not ready. And some of you who have frustrations in the things you were doing, sometimes maybe you were not ready. And you're blaming every kind of demon spirit Oh, my uncle, this. No, but are you really ready? Are you really ready for what you're asking for? Are you really ready? Some of you are not ready. You see, when Luke 16 tells you if you're faithful in that little thing, in a little thing, the Bible says you're faithful in much. God has designed our lives to be like that. But you try them with some small and see how they're going to do with him. And then God says, hmm, he's actually passed that quickly. And he gives more. Oh, she's actually done that so quicker than I thought. Okay. He gives more. Hmm. Okay. He can handle that. Awesome. More. Ah, he can handle that. Awesome. More. Ah, she can handle that. Awesome. The quicker she's learning, the quicker he's responding, the quicker God is entrusting. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. It has no other way. There's no other formula. So when you see people who are quick in the things of life, in the things of the gospel and otherwise, 
some of them either skipped certain stages or some have learned quicker because in the kingdom we learn quicker and you cannot judge them now because of that little thing they're going through that week you know some of you you're very quick to judge somebody they get a challenge in one week and then you conclude they were not ready they get a problem of two months then you say mm, they were not ready no maybe it's a trial for the next level the bible says time judges all things so the bible says be slow to judge be very slow to judge do not be quick because some of you with the very measure you judge others god will also put the same lens on you what about you mister what about you madam you see so that's why i fear that but my point is that instead of instructing people to prepare and preparing men for the work see, fivefold perfecting the saints the word there for perfecting is maturing the saints for the work of ministry for the edification of the body of Christ you see what comes first perfecting you maturing you for the work of ministry because eventually everyone everyone who is born again must be a minister ministry is also a sign of your maturity so you find a christian who says i'm yeah, i'm not doing anything in church i'm not serving anywhere but i'm born again i love god i have my personal relationship so that maturity that perfection that comes in you that you assume you actually have enough to have your personal relationship and hear god and see angels but it cannot take you out to preach the gospel it also shows i mean you might not be on the pulpit like me but give a give like your minister and if you are worship a worship do some for god just do some for god it's a sign of your maturity for the edification of the body there are people who are deeply spiritual but they don't edify the body they're not helpful they like dandruff it's in their hair but it doesn't leave you know you understand so <laughs> there is always a process and some go through it quicker some never respect it and they find their way to jump into glories and the earth is disquieted and then challenges start coming they in the ministry but it's as if they're the ones building the church jesus isn't you understand they're in marriage but they're weeping every night they're doing business but it's killing them they're having careers but they're indebted so it's just out of line principles 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 I want you to raise your voice right now and start to speak to God Come on speak to God Speak to God Karadebo jaradaba Come on speak to God Speak to God Kerebadebo sharadaba Glory to God Matere baradeko sharadaba Thank you Jesus Sajala baradebo koradeko zanaba Come on come on pray Mazadaba kopredeleko Kerebadedeshta Soul about you Help me choir Jesus Jesus and all this is for you is for your glory and your fame it's not about me as if you should do things my way you alone are God and I surrender 
Oh, and it's all about you. Jesus, Jesus, and all this is for you. It's for your glory and your name. It's not about me, as if you should do things my way. You alone, alone are the I surrender to your will. Father, our hearts pray is towards only to, only to help us, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. Those who went ahead, take us back and teach us. That we might not lose the things that you're doing in us. That we might repent where we have to. Those of us who are not yet there, quicken us in the instructions. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you're sick in your body, I speak healing. If you're bound, you're free in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree that you're going to have a good week, a good month. You're closing the hour well. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, repeat these words after me. Because there's no name under the earth that is given wherewith men are saved except the name of Jesus. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe today that you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my Lord and Savior and born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.